You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. It's time for your weekly trip around the bases with your hometown team. It's Inside Twins, where we dive into the minds of the guys in charge for insight, information, and analysis. Inside Twins is brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. Here's your host of Inside Twins, Corey Provis. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to our season debut of Inside Twins, brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. We are live today from Guaranteed Rate Field in Chicago, gearing up for the final game and the rubber game of this three-game series between the Twins and the White Sox. Good pitching matchup to decide the series today. It'll be Irvin Santana going for the Twins, Jose Quintana opposing for Chicago. I'm Corey Provost. We welcome your questions today. You can reach us in two ways, via email, InsideTwins at TwinsBaseball.com or on Twitter, hashtag InsideTwins. It's great to kick off our season with the Chief Baseball Officer, of the Minnesota Twins. Welcome to Chicago. Derek Falvey, how are you? Thanks for having me, Corey. It's Always great to be, to be Yeah, great to see you, and thanks for joining us for the first show of the season. Uh, you've been traveling a bit. We'll get to that later on on the show, but five games. It's kind of a general question, but your thoughts after five games? No, I think, as we've seen, our, our guys, you know, certainly through the first four, played really good defense, you know, great baseball. You know, you pitch, you play good defense, you know, you get some timely hits, and things really come together nicely. I, I think, you know, the... the the coaches have been incredibly prepared. Uh, the players have been really prepared. I, I can sense a, a really good vibe in the clubhouse around uh, the, the teammate, you know, the, the culture that's being built around the team uh, just between the players. So uh, I'm excited about the start. I, I think the reality is you go through some ups and downs in a baseball season. It, it's nice to get off to, uh, to a good start here. And it always seems to start with the guy on the mound. And Irvin Santana will make his second start today. And Irvin, he was terrific uh, back in opening day on Monday. The, the total package, and is he classified as a quote-unquote ace in the game? Maybe not, but still awfully good every five days. Well, he's our leader, you know, and he, he does such a great job of um, steadying the ship, you know, in the way that he goes about his work and the way he is in the clubhouse and through his bullpens. He's a he's a veteran guy who knows how to pitch, knows how to get out. He and Jason uh, seemingly have kind of built a, a nice rapport in terms of game plan and calling and otherwise. So uh, it was exciting to see him on opening day. I'm looking forward to, to seeing him continue to start here. Now, speaking of Jason Castro, not just the defense, the bat's been tremendous as well here to start the year. He's got four hits, a homer. He's walked six times. He's knocked in five runs. Uh, it, it can be a challenge for a new position player with the new team expectations, but he's had a phenomenal first week. Now, Jason, we, we knew about the person. We knew the high-character guy he was. We obviously knew about the defense, and uh, I think we talked this offseason, and, and Jason may have said it a few times, that a lot was made about just the defense, and he felt like he had a little bit more offense in there than maybe people were giving him credit for. And so uh, whether that's a chip on his shoulder or just a bit of an edge, you know, he, he I'm, I'm excited to see his start because I think he feels really good about it. He's clearly seeing the ball well. When you walk four times in a game and, you know, you have the ability to, uh, to zone in on your pitches. I think that, that separates you know, when a guy's going good offensively. So it was good to see him get off to this start, and I think he's, he's, he's proven the leader he can be both in the pitching staff but also help us offensively. Yeah, it's uh, really been fun to watch him here the first few games of the season. We'll get to the lineup in just a bit. But first, beginning with the roster and the decision to go with 13 pitchers to begin the season. When did that come to... Not, not that you knew it was going to happen, but at least enter the conversation. At what point in camp did you say, 
you know, we may break with 13. You know, I, I think you always leave yourself the potential for any roster configuration during the course of spring training. I'm very careful not to um, make decisions early just because all kinds of things happen through the course of spring training with injuries, with the way you're, you know, the, the roster shakes out at the back end. So uh, I've been in an organization in the past in Cleveland where we, we would carry 13 pitchers pretty regularly, I would say more often than not. So it was certainly something I've seen and been around. And as we got toward the back end of camp and, and thinking about where our pitching was you know, collectively and the guys coming back from the WBC and you know making sure that we had uh, some protection you know, in the early going, particularly we've been lucky you know that the weather's been good uh, so far. But the reality is you start in all these cold-weather cities, there's some potential that you, know, you could run into some trouble along the way where you have delays or otherwise. So as we got a little bit closer to the end of camp and we thought about the configuration of our team at this moment in time, uh, we felt it was the best way to protect ourselves and, and build out our pitching group. Now, speaking of the pitching, Alberto Mejia started yesterday, not a strong start, did not go two innings. Uh, what's your take on how long you stick with the guy? That one start shouldn't decide, you know, we have to we have to make an immediate roster decision to get a different guy up here. How long would you say the leash is for a starter? You know, I, I think you're exactly right, Corey. I think sometimes over the course of 162 games, you have a, a bad game mixed in. And if that bad game happens in mid-July, you, know, you kind of just keep moving on and you go to it it's it's a bit hard uh, a bit harder when it's the first start of a season for a guy you know, to both for him and for I think the team because you think you think about that change but we want to be make make sure we're thoughtful about uh, committing to a guy's path and development realizing there will be some ups and downs so in Mejia's case not the way he wanted to start the season yesterday but we're confident stuff was there you know a few pitches that Fra- that Todd Frazier at bat was a tough one so I think he'll have an opportunity to learn from that from that challenge uh, and but he'll be a, he'll be a different pitcher next time out a better one another thought before we could take our first break with Mejia and Duffy I got the sense correct me if I'm wrong that Mejia is a starter that if it wasn't here then probably down at triple a we're maybe not the case and we saw it play out this way with Duffy why the difference why was Duffy viewed as a guy that could be not just a starter but a guy that could be in the bullpen you know I, I think in in this particular case the way it played out was you know Mejia had we felt like was in the best position to take that that fifth spot to start the year Tyler's had some bullpen experience had some starting experience in the past so we felt like for us for right now that was the best way to break to add the length and the protection to the bullpen uh, and give and give Mejia that chance to start uh, that that doesn't mean we don't view Tyler as a starter in fact I, we feel he can be a starter and can be an effective one here so these will be conversations that will be ongoing about how we work through our staff because we're going to need we're going to need a lot of pitching through the course of the year every team does all right we'll take our first break come back we'll dive into some offense some lineup discussion and some of the other things that we'll chat with Derek about as we move along here on inside twins we'll take a time out a break from chicago and more coming up in a moment on your home for twins baseball this is the treasure island baseball network nice way to get back in newly inducted Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the South's Pearl Gem. As we continue here from Chicago, Inside Twins rolls on, brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. Corey Provis and Derek Falvey uh, back with you. I think many have been fascinated by the line of construction, even going back to spring training and how this has been playing out to start the season after five games. And we're Buxton Bats, we're Joe Bats, and, and all these different moving parts. What's your role and your involvement in the lineup? 
You know, I, I think that that's something that's Paul's decision. You know, that, that's Paul's area of focus. I think what I try to do, and and we've done with our coaching staff and some of our support staff, is provide Paul as much information as, as we can to help him with those decisions. He's he's certainly thinking through uh, the dynamics of each player and where they're comfortable in the lineup, but also what gives us maybe a potential opportunity to take advantage of a situation, you know, whether it's a left-hander on the mound or a right-hander, you know, the chance to break up lefties in an order. Those are really thoughtful, deep decisions that Paul has to think through. Is there much debate about that, or is it a, a situation where he's presented information, he wants to learn more about it, process things, and then it's his call, like you said. But are they, are they pretty informative when, when the information is, is on Paul's desk? Yeah, I, I think you know he feels he has enough information to help make the decision. Certainly, he's going to use it all to prepare himself, and then you know, there's a blend. That's what a manager does. It's a blend of information and gut and instinct. And so I think he's done a nice job of trying to figure out how to blend that, how to make it work with the players, and... Uh, certainly worked, you know, in, in, in the early going. How involved are players, though, in those decisions? Because what, you know, all the numbers don't say is like Brian Dozier, for example, and you can study all the, the numbers and the different metrics that his numbers do drop off the further down in the order he goes, where he just loves hitting leadoff. I mean, he'll flat out tell you that I love to bat leadoff. Does, does a player say matter at all in lineup construction? I, I Absolutely. I, th- I think Paul wants to put guys in a position to be successful, ultimately. And I, I think that... Uh, sometimes maybe we get a little hung up on whether the guy's in the five hole or the six hole or the four hole. I think ultimately you want to go out and put up a competitive at bat wherever you're hitting in the lineup. So I, our guys, we want to know what makes them comfortable and then blend that with what we think is the best alignment for, you know, from a run scoring standpoint. And Paul certainly engages the players in that conversation. What numbers did you see that, that you felt Buxton at the three, Joe at the four, Miguel at the five, would be beneficial long term? Well, I, I, I don't know that I could speak to that. I mean, that's okay. where Paul ended up with, uh, you know, in terms of lineup. So uh, certainly not something you know, I've, I've imposed, and in fact, to be candid about it, and I've had very little conversation about the specifics of where guys are in the order with Paul. Uh, but he felt, and, and this is probably a better question for Paul, but uh, he felt it was the best alignment as we broke here, and certainly he's made adjustments along the way. All right, as we uh, kind of... Dig in a bit more here with Derek Falvey on Inside Twins. Again, we welcome your questions. You can reach us in two ways via email, InsideTwins at TwinsBaseball.com or on Twitter, hashtag InsideTwins. The bullpen so far this season, yeah, Justin Haley gave up a few runs yesterday, but all in all, Michael Tonkin looked really good. The bullpen, you know, there are some veterans, but there's some guys who have been through this just a little bit in the past. But uh, the bullpen's been great here this week. You know, you pointed out something in yesterday's game, and I actually view, uh, you know, didn't win the game, you know, had a tough go, and, and Justin's outing certainly didn't finish the way he wanted. But I would say that what Justin Hale and Michael Tonkin did, that goes unnoticed but is incredibly important for a pitching staff. When you have the ability, when your starter gets taken out in the second inning, and you have the ability to use a couple of guys to be really efficient through the back end of that game, even though you lose the game, you know, it, and it doesn't work out great, you've still put your bullpen in a position that today, when we come here Sunday, we've got a lot of guys fresh, a lot of guys rested. We have the off day tomorrow. It's set up in a way where we need to be thinking three, four, five games in chunks. And what Justin and what Michael Tonkin did yesterday to kind of bear the brunt of that of that outing is incredibly important over the course of a long season if you've got guys that can do that. If you go back and you look at Tonkin's spring, it was shaky early, got better, though, as, as camp went along. Uh, he was out of options, but that last push from Tonkin, the last couple of weeks, was that the decision to keep him on the team? 
You know, I would say this, that, and we've been very consistent about this from the get-go. Spring training is a slice of the decision, uh, certainly, how a guy performs there. But I think we can really get ourselves a bit sideways by using just spring training performance to make decisions. I think, uh, you know, year after year, we all talk about spring training performances that are exceptional and some that really concern us. And once the season starts, uh, that goes out the window. So I just w- I want to point out that it's important for us to be careful about just using spring training performance to make that evaluation. Michael Tonkin's somebody we felt like with the stuff that he has, the ability to go multiple innings or get a strikeout from time to time, those are things we wanted to consider and, and certainly earned him that, that spot in the bullpen. I will take a break, come back, get some injury updates from Derek when we return about Eddie Adrianza and Glenn Perkins and Ryan O'Rourke as well. Guys that are on the disabled list as we speak. We'll continue live from Chicago next on your home for Twins Baseball. Hey, this is Max Kepler. You're listening to the home for the Minnesota Twins. Go 963, the modern alternative channel. Back inside Twins rolls on from Guaranteed Rate Field in Chicago. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, the pregame lineup crowd with Chris, and we're here for the play by play for game three at 110. Urban Santana, Jose Quintana. Corey Provis back with, with Derek Falvey. For Byron Buxton, there's been some great. There's been some struggle. The struggle at the plate. The defense has been amazing. So fun to watch. So some good and some bad, I guess, if you're just going to dissect Buxton this first uh, week or so. Yeah, I think we've seen what he's done defensively to really almost save games early on. It's big situations, and I think Byron, we know what he can do in center field, and we've seen it now, and uh, he's you know, nearly caught that ball yesterday going to the wall. So we, we know what the defense is. Obviously, offensively, it hasn't been the start he would have hoped for. I uh, thought coming out of spring training, how he was feeling, how uh, how he how he was at the, how he felt at the plate, just comfort, uh, hasn't translated yet. But we're confident in who Byron is. I think the reality is when you start a season and you're looking up at the board and you start from all zeros, it's, it's hard in those first you know, 10, 15, 20 at-bats. Whereas if you had a very similar stretch in July, you know, it would feel differently. So we just want to make sure he's, he stays confident. He's working with James Rousen and Rudy and the guys in the cage. He's got a plan at the plate, and, and we'll continue to support him to, because we think he's going to be a meaningful part of what we're doing. Do you have an opinion if he should bunt more? You know, I, I wouldn't say you – know, I don't have a blanket opinion on things like that. I think he certainly can run. So it's for him, you know, an opportunity maybe to steal a hit every once in a while with a push bunt or, you know, some type of take advantage of the defense. I think it's something he's worked on. It's part of his game, and I think he'll do it. And whether it's more or less, I don't necessarily have an opinion on that, but I think he's got he's got that in his, in his toolbox, and he'll use it, I'm sure, when he needs to. And, you know, all the great catches that Buxton has made, not to, you know, rule out what the guys in the corners have done either. Eddie Rosario caught one at the wall back on, on Friday. Max Kepler saved at least a run with his diving catch down the line. You felt going in that a strength with this team was going to be the outfield defense, right? Oh, no question. I mean, I think that we talked about those three young guys, and uh, in addition to some of the plays we've made in the infield over the last couple of days, we feel like, you know, for us, if, if we if we get ahead, pitch, throw strikes, and play good defense behind them, we give ourselves a chance as a team. And so it's been fun to see that the young group of outfielders bond over that defense, defensive ability, and we're going to rely on that moving forward. If you can, uh, let's run through some injury updates uh, right now. Ryan O'Rourke, sideline, Glenn Perkins, we know, 60-day DL, uh, Andy Adrianza, I heard his oblique late in camp. Uh, how are those three guys progressing? Yeah, so Ryan, he's continuing to progress with how his uh, how his forearm's feeling. Uh, he's maybe about two, three days away from starting to throw. 
Uh, so we'll continue to progress and monitor you know, how he's feeling to ensure when he gets out there he's at, he's at full go. Uh, Adrianza, uh, long toss yesterday, threw, felt really good, got out to full distances. He's taking swings off the tee today uh, and will continue to progress now to, into his hitting progression. Uh, and then uh, Trevor May, I just actually I, I spoke with or I, I texted with uh, yesterday just to check in and, and see how he's doing. He's starting to feel good uh, moving forward. And Glenn Perkins uh, threw a bullpen uh, yesterday. We'll throw one again on Tuesday, uh, continuing to progress up to intensities kind of in that 80 to 90 percent range and, and feels good, feels strong. So we feel like each guy's on track. Uh, to continue down the path that we're, we're hopeful to get them all back healthy soon. Now, barring any hiccups with Perkins, do you have a date that, that is set when he's going to be, all right, in the bullpen throwing, but it's going to be max effort. He's going to throw his fastball as hard as he can. He's going to throw his slider. The Perkins that we saw before the injury, is there is there a, a concrete date that's set where this will be so impactful on his progress if and when he can return? You know, I, I think setting dates on, on returns like that can be risky because they, they can be somewhat arbitrary. I think we need to react to how players feeling, how his arm is responding. I think when you set a date out there, whatever date you set, now that becomes the target. And if you don't make that target, you're not, you, know, you feel like you failed or you missed it. We need to make sure we're thoughtful that when Glenn is pitching again in games, he's pitching like the, player, the pitcher you just talked about, which is the effective guy who can throw his slider, who's got his velocity back. And otherwise, we don't want to rush that along. So whenever that time comes and he's healthy and ready to go will be when he pitches. But we're not, we're not going to set an arbitrary date on that. Right, we'll take our last break, come back. We'll ask Derek about a recent trip he was on, get his thoughts on that, and maybe sneak in a few more questions uh, before we sign off the program here today. Inside Twins brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. More from Chicago after this on your home for Twins Baseball. A few minutes of Inside Twins brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. Corey Provis alongside Twins Chief Baseball Officer Derek Falvey. I saw this on social media, I guess it was what, on Friday? You were out west in California checking out uh, Hunter Green, whom a lot of people like uh, to go high in the draft coming up here in early June. He throws really hard. I'm not, I'm not sure publicly how much you can really say in the spot that you're in, but... Uh, why the need to, to go, and, and what you what you see? Sure, it used to be you could go watch a uh, high school baseball game, <laughs> and <laughs> that would uh, that would be the day away from the spotlight. But uh, certainly understand it. I mean, Hunter's a, a good young uh, prospect who everyone's talked about. You know, this year's draft, uh, and I think it was a good opportunity to go see him pitch and get a chance to meet him briefly and uh, see his family. He's an impressive young man. So we'll we'll take the next couple of months to evaluate a number of players in the draft, uh, certainly picking one, you know, something we're hyper-focused on right now, and we'll make sure that we are gathering as much information as possible on any potential selection at that pick and, and the subsequent picks beyond. Twins uh, changed up their scouting department a little bit. It'll be Sean Johnson now as the man to make the call. Am I am I right with that? That or is it your call? Or will it at the end of the day when the time comes and the clock has zero on it? Is it going to be Sean's call? No, that's right. I, I think we want to go into our draft meetings in preparation and otherwise being incredibly open-minded about the information we've gathered from our scouts, from our player development staff who's watched some video, from our pro guys who've been out there, and some of the analytics and the analysis we do on potential players in the draft. So we're not going to go into that room or the week you know, leading up to the draft as we stack that board. Uh, with any preset you know, opinions in that stage, ultimately it would be Sean's call you know, on, the, on the pick there. But we'll certainly do that you know, in a collaborative way. Right. Uh, hey, great job. Your first show, well done. Sometimes we get calls and emails from Clinton and Eden Prairie, but uh, he wasn't listening today. We'll check in with that guy, though, 
more as the season moves along. But great job today. Thanks, Corey. Thanks uh, for having Derek me. Val. We thank him for his time today. We have plenty more to come here on the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Chris's pregame show coming up momentarily, and then we're back with Game 3, the rubber game of this three-game series. Twins and the White Sox, Urban Santana and Jose Quintana, the matchup here today. Buxton in the lineup. He is hitting eighth. Joe Maurer batting third. Dozier in the leadoff spot. Grossman hitting second. And DHing. Should be a lot of fun. Twins seeking their fifth win. Stay tuned. Chris's pregame show is coming up. We thank you for listening right here on your home for Minnesota Twins baseball. The pregame show.